0: From the studios of Fractal Recording, this is the Profit First Podcast, Episode 14. Ron, I threw it to you. Oh my goodness, Ron already messed he just up. Sat there.
1: I know. You're like, go, go, bro. Yeah. Oh,
0: man. Dude, if you're gonna
1: be on a podcast, <laughs> you got to be ready
0: for that stuff, Ron. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome everyone to the Profit First podcast. I think we have too much fun, Mike. I love horsing around. Yeah, like this. so this is a show. Well, I'm Chris Curran. I'm yep. the founder of Fractal Recording. I'm Mike McCallow. It's author of Profit First,
1: and this is a show all about business profitability. But we like to have a lot of fun doing it. And my business partner, Ron Saharan, the Managing Director of Profit First Professionals, is here. And uh, hey, Ron,
0: how you doing?
2: Good. Sorry about that. I wasn't sure what episode. <laughs> <we're on. laughs>
0: right? No, you're not supposed to know. That's the that's whole. What, that's the that's joke. Fun and. Thank Thank you, Ron, for bringing uh, caramels to the studio. He brought candy. He brought candy, but he entered very creepily. Oh, that was scary. So (laughs) you have
1: this entire studio is soundproofed. (laughs) And as we're sitting here prepping for this show in particular, all of a sudden the door goes, it opens and there's like this one hand that kind of (laughs) comes out uh, and then the hand disappears and then like some hair and then their hand
0: and then all of a sudden it's it's Ron to stand there. He's like, "Uh, are you guys recording? And I really thought it was the mail lady. But you can can find our show on iTunes and Stitcher. Those are the two big podcast directories. And also on our website, ProfitFirstPodcast.com. Yep. And I want to thank our sponsors. Uh, Nextiva has stepped up.
1: T-Sheets has stepped up. Fundera has stepped up. And now there's other folks. I actually got an email in the studio right now some other folks that are interested in joining us as sponsors. So uh, we'll talk more about them at the end.
0: Yeah. During our, our other break, so... This is going to be fun. I'm glad Ron's here. And I'm thrilled. He just Ron's showed here. up. Yeah, no, so no, cool. He is cool. No, he, he mentioned he was at the office taking care yeah, of someone. Of-
2: I'm glad I showed up.
1: <laughs> Silent Bob. So uh, yeah, he said he was going to try swing by. So I'm I'm pumped you're here. Oh no, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to it. It's great stuff. See, before you were two word Ron. Now you're speaking in sentences. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dude, what? You were two word Ron. I know. Now
0: he's pissed off Ron. Oh. All right, dude. So what have you been up to, Chris? Um. Wow. Doing a lot of, uh with my other show, The Mystic Show, talking a lot about spirituality and meditation. And I'm doing a lot of meditation, too. I just, I love it. It kind of balances my life and, you know, profit and business is all great, but there has to be a balance, right? If you're going to go full bore one way, you got to have a little anchor somewhere else. You can always go to an extreme in anything, everything in moderation,
1: they say. For me, my father turned 87, man. Really? Yeah, 87 years old. Wow. And looking at me, you're like, well, Mike, you're about 26. (laughs) So you're like, what did your father have you when he was like 61, 62? The answer is no. He had me when he was younger. uh, And I'm not 26. That's the answer. So we're going out for dinner tonight. My wife uh, and uh, I take my mother, who's 80, and my father, who's 87, out. um, And I'm going to listen to them say, do you know how old I am? I'm 87
0: years old. Can you believe that? Like, that's going to be dinner. Was he in the mafia as well? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe. Yeah, the Polish mafia, the Mokalowicz
1: mafia, yeah. the, the Mookie Mookie Yeah, yeah, Mookie Mookie Galowicz, Uh You know how Polish mafia works? When they threaten to kill someone. Uh, thanks. For, Ron's like passing dirty words already. Oh. When a, uh, a Polish mafia member like my family is, and that's why I can make fun of the Polish, how they threaten to kill you is they pull a gun out and they point to their head and say, <laughs> they say, what are you laughing? <laughs> oh, Chris, you okay, Chris? <laughs> oh, my God. Our first death ever during an episode. Oh, my God. So, are you okay? Wow. Okay. <coughs> so, let me finish the joke. Well, Chris dies. Uh, The Polish Mafia, they pull a gun out, and my father puts his own head and says, uh, You better stop laughing, because after I'm done with me, you're next. (laughs) Okay, that's Polish Mafia. Well, guess who we have as a guest today? We have... Dr. Sabrina Schleicher. She is the founder and uh, operator and owner and runner and coach of Tap the Potential. She works with businesses, particularly in the rural areas of, of America, and helps them tap the potential within their business. One of the most common challenges that rural businesses face is that they have employee problems, recruiting employees, and so forth. Sabrina has figured out the key to uh, to growing businesses like that, and we'll talk with her and her client. Julie Wurzer is coming on board, and Julie is the founder of Patch Abilities. She founded back in 2004. Guess what Patch Abilities does? Quilting. Nice. Quilting. They specialize in small quilted uh, wall hanging patterns, uh, and uh, they're designed for any beginner uh, who has an itch to dive into quilting. Like, I know, Chris, you're a big quilter. Um, she's been at the Inter- International Quilt Market uh, and other industry trade shows, and she's here today to, to give us kind of insights on. Quilting, yeah, and business, and well, the business of
3: quilting, making money. With no further ado, That's it. Sabrina <laughs> and
0: Julie, welcome, come on down. Welcome to the show.
3: <laughs> Thank you, guys. How y'all hey, doing? An introduction.
1: So, Sabrina and Julie, as i um, did you guys hear the Polish joke?
4: Yes. Uh, yes.
1: Literally, he doesn't expect me to do the old gun to the head trick. He takes a sip of coffee while he does it and starts choking on it.
0: So, dude, I inhaled my tea and then well, I'm not going to go any further cuz it's disgusting.
1: And as is tradition, as is tradition, I totally did the introduction prematurely. I forgot one thing I did promise we would do. <laughs> Julie and Sabrina, it's almost like tradition. Can I put you on hold for 1 second? <laughs>
3: Absolutely, I love okay. it. What you got to do. Oh, I love it. Right. Right. We, we
1: will edit this out. The Don't big,
0: worry. Big pomp and circumstance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this, then it like, all gets edited uh, out. Please hold.
1: Yeah, no one hears this. Hold on, and right. we're gonna put you on mute for one second.
0: <laughs> what a show! All
1: right, hold on. Right. Okay. Um. <laughs> Are we good? Are they muted? They're muted. Okay. You notice uh, for a few episodes now we haven't done Word of the Day. Yes. What? We, we haven't. Yeah. We have got game shows going on. You haven't heard them yet. Wait until you hear these, Ron. They're awesome. <laughs> uh, a new one today. We're not doing Word of the Day. We're doing Omit the Word Day. You are not allowed to say the word specialized, Chris. So, whenever the word specialized comes up, you're not allowed to use it. It's an easy
0: one. Specialized. I'm At- sorry, you couldn't say that. You already screwed it up. <laughs> you lost you're already you verifying. Okay, yeah. What's my word? No, I was, <laughs> I was gonna say, um, no, because the word any uh, word you qu- want. <laughs> <laughs> Lay it on me, Brad. <clears throat> no, I was thinking for quilt. The word quilt, but yeah. not- that's it. That's it. I can't use the word quilt. I love well, it. I was going to say you, you could use it, but you have to say kilt. <laughs> okay, I love
1: it. All right, so I get the word switch. I have to use kilt, and uh, you cannot say specialize. All right, bring our guests back. I will not. Okay, hold on. Okay, so uh, we've edited it all out. Nothing's been heard. So uh, Julie and Sabrina, are you back with us? Yes. Okay, so pretend you're really excited, because they're going to hear up to the part like, hey, they're back. So just come on in excited. I <laughs> I got it. I got it. <laughs> okay oh my god welcome back so julie just to get things started tell us about kilt uh abilities
4: about patch abilities abilities
1: where you do kilting i already messed it up Yes. yes
4: uh oh okay so in a nutshell patch abilities is uh i design small quilted wall hanging patterns that that's me that's what i do and then um we publish so we i write those patterns i make up the samples i write those patterns we publish them in-house here um and then we sell those patterns wholesale to quilt shops all over the u.s canada and many countries in europe australia new zealand glo- we're we're global And then in addition to the quilt patterns uh, a number of years back i had um approached the two companies that i use their hangers to display my finished product on and i also use buttons for embellishing so i contacted those companies asked them if we could uh if i could buy at a distributor price break and then wholesale to all my wholesale clients thereby making it one-stop shopping for all of our clients and they did and so that so those three those three areas are what patchabilities consists of today,
1: so you're a manufacturer effectively, and then you you distribute it to a manufacturer and distributor, and you're selling to all these different retail outlets. Yes, do you sell yeah. direct also?
4: We do sell direct also we um a little uh, in June of two thousand and thirteen, I decided to jump into the retail market, and so we sell via our website
1: so when you have a business that does both, uh, sells your product through retailers. They're making an income on it and you also sell direct. Isn't there kind of inherent competition here? Doesn't that disappoint or upset your retail chain outlets? Yes.
4: Yeah. And I, I struggled with that for a long time. You know, I started my business in 2004. My, uh, with the help of or guidance, I should say, of my mom. My mom has a quilt shop, a very large, successful quilt shop. So she, I definitely always have her feedback, her insight on what, you know, is or is not appropriate. And, but after a while, so I I refused, I refused to sell retail. I didn't want to go there. I didn't want to offend any of my wholesale clients, but repeatedly retail customers kept coming to me via email and phone calls and saying you know i live out in the Thule's of wyoming let's just say and there are no bookshops. <laughs> yeah
1: yeah that hurt that <laughs> hurt sabrina's upset already yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there's no so bookshops felt, out there <laughs>
4: <laughs> so i recognized well i knew that there were little voids you know all across the country that people were not able to get their hands on our product so my thought was, you know, if, 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 nope, if there's not anybody to sell them their product, they can't get it. So, um, why don't I fill that void? Nobody else is filling that void, so why don't we fill that void? And then we just walk the fine line. We do, you know, we just try not, we try to send everybody to a local quilt shop if at all possible. But when that's not possible, we happily fill their, their needs.
1: But by filling that void, you want to avoid the void that you've opened up with your retailers, if yes. that makes any sense. Meaning, how can you say yes to that? That doesn't even make sense. <laughs> My head is spinning. But basically, you're filling a void where your retailers can't service. That's perfect. Yes. But now, yeah. by doing that, aren't you also competing with your retailers in their areas of expert, their locations?
4: Um. Hopefully not. Um. And yes and no, Mike. All that I can offer... Retail customers is just simply the very basic product, the patterns, the buttons, and the hangers. What I cannot offer all those retail customers is that one-on-one support, the um, walking into a quilt shop and smelling and feeling the fabric. And Which, the ironically,
1: that Chris have. does a lot of smelling and feeling of quilts.
4: <laughs>
1: <laughs> He's known for that.
4: Yeah. Of so,
1: what? Smelling of what? Of Kelts. You do. All <laughs> of smelling of kelts. What are you talking? About? I said checking. it right. I said Just it right. <laughs> you guys will get it later. Sorry, Julie. <laughs> so, so, Julie, okay. sorry for Chris's interruption. Just keep going.
4: So, um, yeah. So, I compete with them, perhaps on on the the very basic product, but there's so much that goes beyond the product. Um, Especially with beginners, you know, it's it's a it's a hobby that has to be learned. There's a lot of things to learn. I can't provide I can't provide fabric, so they need fabric to complete the project, and I can't provide that. So um, I compete very on a very small scale. And
1: yeah, no, it makes sense. So there's a yeah. little overlap. Now, yeah. Sabrina Dr. Schleicher, uh, Sabrina Schleicher is a business psychologist because. Um, that's why the doctor part. Um, Sabrina, just tell us what your working relationship is with Julie.
3: So Julie uh, contacted me back in June of 2014, so about six or seven months ago, and she wanted some help with growing her business. She's she has done a tremendous job on her own, being a, a one woman show for for many many years, and has grown her business it's it's unbelievable what she's done really um but she was to the point where she needed to hire people she needed some team and she was ready to take her business to the next level and that's when she reached out to me and so i'm not going to say much more than that i'll let julie speak to w- whatever piece of that she would like to address
1: i guess that's uh, a, a throw over so right? julie you just take with it we're watching the the tennis match from over here Okay. So uh, okay. So you brought Doctor Schleicher on to help you bring on some folks. Tell us about your business, then. You, you, I didn't realize you're a one one man band. Um, What what invoked this need to to start scaling and adding people?
4: Well, it's funny you should ask that, uh, Mike, because I well. So I'm now 42 years old. I waited to Perfect have age. To get married and have a family up until I was 39. And I had been running my business like she says a one man one man band here and that was just fine cuz frankly I had all the time in the world to devote to my business. But then family came along and I put everything on autopilot, but as I did that, I was watching my sales each year. Start to drop down, and I obviously w- didn't have the time to devote to growing and maintaining the business anymore and I was doing a lot of research I actually came across um uh she had done an interview with another podcast and uh, i was uh, what I was doing was I was seeking out information I wasn't happy with my decline in sales and i and i I was having trouble visualizing where patchabilities was going to go in say five years, and mm-hmm. then what I did learn was of all businesses, small businesses fail in the first 10 years. And I said, Julie, you are not going to be in the 95th percentile. I'm going to be in the upper 5%. So what do I have to do to make that happen? And so I just started, really, I just started searching the Internet for like entrepreneur resources. And so learning what I didn't know, get to know what I didn't know. And then I ran across her and it just clicked. I sent in an application to her website almost immediately after hearing her interview. And then, uh, so here we are now that we're, I'm back on track to not only get my business back up to our all time highest in sales, but to take it further and get up in the upper fifth percentile.
1: All right. So, so tell us what, what did, what specifically have you done to get your business back on track? And then tell us what that means too. back on track.
4: Gotcha so the one-man band i did everything i was the pivotal role and sabrina has helped me she not only helped me focus and bring in one full-time employee um in just a very just a very um i don't know how to put just a very professional manner I, i just feel like i've done it the right way um she's helped me set specific goal be very goal specific um we go over i mean i've listened to your um to your pumpkin plan book which was fantastic
1: thank you um, i know that has
4: <laughs> so <laughs> i'm kidding i'm
1: kidding um, everyone
4: yes, not really. no, he's not. Say, yeah um sorry, but what, um, like
1: in your business you're you're hiring you're bringing on an employee or do you have an employee now
4: I have one employee. I have one full time employee, and I've also hired on one person to do our social media and bookkeeping. So okay, taking so some things off my plate.
1: So tell me about the one employee you brought on. Does she or he what, what does she or he do?
4: She uh, she goes out and she works on growing our Facebook traffic. Um, she's helping to um, make get us a strong presence on social media. So Facebook, um, Pinterest. Um, we haven't done. Twitter or Instagram or other things, but we're at a starting point here. So we've set goals that we need to increase our Facebook traffic by five hundred percent this year.
1: And are you and- seeing a direct result? Can you measure because the Facebook traffic's increasing, social media activity is increasing, can you see you're selling more of your product?
4: Um we think so. We have we have a definite increase in retail sales. Um it's, we're finding it very hard to – how do we track that? How do we track our you know Facebook and Pinterest? How do we
1: – Well, let me ask you, Sabrina. Track- I mean, this is uh, – you're the growth strategist in here. You're helping Julie navigate this stuff. What what are the – how do you figure out if this is working or not? It seems very difficult, if not impossible.
3: Well, the challenge that Julie has is because so much of her um, sales come in through the local quilt shop so she 's selling to these quilt shops and it 's hard to know if Facebook traffic is driving people into those stores um, and causing them to order more of her products so she really has to track retail and what is being sold to the quilt shop mm-hmm. um, and and so what we are what we are looking at is. Uh, where are those sales increasing? And what I what I always do with my clients is because we're business owners, we're a lot of us do so much by ourselves to begin with, we can't add a lot more to our plate. So we want to start really simple. So we pick one big advertising expense, for example, and look at Okay, you're you're spending money over here. How do you know if this is resulting in any any business for you, any sales coming in? So we start with one area where there's a lot of money going out, and we start tracking that. Julie has um, a really interesting example of that with the mag- that magazine that you're in. Julie, do you want
4: to speak to that? Sure. So uh, we. We advertise. We I do a full page advertisement in Mary Jane's Farm Magazine, which
1: Chris uh, has yeah. a copy here.
4: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's no quilting in the title of that magazine because it's not a quilting based uh, magazine. It's totally geared towards the um, towards the the gals out there who want to um, get back to their roots and I don't know mend fences and um, get get very basic and surprisingly i uh, we advertised in it once and we get a ton of phone calls and a ton what? of um, catalog requests every time but you're,
1: we you're ad. advertising in a, a magazine that doesn't speak to you the service product you provide i don't get it
4: yeah not the exact but <coughs> apparently
1: aspiring Kelters, i guess
4: <laughs> yes yes so, right. so a lot of those people one of their a common hobby in folk the folks that are reading that magazine is that many of them are quilters or crafty or creative to some degree and so we also you know we're geared towards the beginner quilter. so if you want to start quilting but don't know where or how we are we're apparently tapping into that and so it's working for us and we are tracking we have begun to track every one of those ads and in your,
1: in your type of business, you need to know those numbers intimately, right? I mean, every penny yeah. makes a difference because you're a volume game. Yeah. Okay, it does. So we have a little surprise for you, if we could throw our game show on. Um, we like to do a little break midway through and really test people's knowledge of prices, for example. And okay. since you're you're forty two, I'm forty three, Ron's forty one, Chris is forty Two. Two. <laughs> wonders. Sabrina's 29. What we want to do is throw some <laughs> some, oh! a, some, a, some 80s questions to you, Julie and Sabrina, to see if you really know your prices. Oh, okay? we got
3: this. So, okay. So we're going to name that price in the 80s
1: game show. <laughs> oh. We want to welcome both contestants, Julie and Sabrina, to our show. And here's your first question. This one is to Julie. Oh. Julie, in 1980, a new house cost how much? In 1980, an average... New house cost how much?
4: Mmm. thirty-five thousand. Ooh, sorry.
1: Um, uh, sixty-eight thousand. But we have accepted anything up to one hundred and twenty thousand. Um, but we would not accept your answer. All right, uh, Sabrina. Next question goes to you. In the nineteen eighties, what was the cost of a gallon of gas? National average, by the way. In nineteen eighties. In the, the 1980s, so
3: yeah. anywhere in the
1: 1980s. Anywhere I mean, there's an, oh, wow. there an average range there's an average range
3: 88
1: cents oh, yeah. ho, ho, so close Whoa. but wrong. I'm sorry, sorry. Uh, ninety seven cents to a dollar nineteen. Uh, okay, now I don't know why this is on my list, but uh, Julie, this was meant for you. Okay. What did a I don't even know what this means. What did a style silk blouse uh, cost uh, in the 1980s? I don't even know what that means.
4: That's not your secret word, is it, no. Michael?
1: Ooh, <laughs> no, it's not. Um, it's not a
4: style silk blouse. I don't know, not having ever worn a silk blouse myself.
1: Okay. Um, well, we know, know from the magazines you read clearly, <laughs> Ron. Uh, <Yeah>. Any ideas? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Ron's wearing one right now for fifteen ninety
4: nine. I would say twenty
2: three dollars.
4: I'm going to go
1: with uh, seventy-nine dollars. Seventy-nine! Whoa! Where do you go shopping, Joy? Fifteen ninety-nine! Whoa! All right, Sabrina. I know you had one of these. It was a Camaro coupe. And what
3: did,
1: <laughs> in nineteen in the nineteen eighties? What did uh, the average price for a Camaro coupe go for?
3: I was cruising in style. Yeah. Oh goodness. Um I'm gonna go with nine thousand dollars.
1: Very close, seven thousand five hundred and seventy-one dollars. Really? But we'll accept but anything.
3: Mine had t top Oh, oh wow. the option,
1: the option, and only broke down once a week, as opposed to the average of once a day. Okay, and the last uh, question is to uh, to Julie: the average income. The average income of a family, or an invi- I'm sorry, of an inv- individual, an average income of an individual in the 1980s, as to any time between 1980 and 1989, we'll accept any number in this range. What was the number? The average income nationwide, U.S.?
4: Oh, my goodness. Man, you guys are really a lot more on top of <laughs> prices and costs. Well,
1: we do a research for this show. Years than I was. We do the research.
4: Um, I, we're going to say I'm going to say 35,000.
1: Mm, too high, too close. The Ooh. correct answer is 25,000, but uh, not too bad. We want to thank you for being on the show. That was name that price from the 80s and you didn't. Thank you. <laughs> Okay, we're back to our interview.
2: (laughs) You you did ask them prices, but they would only be teenagers or younger than teenagers. So they really wouldn't understand the price of houses (laughs) and stuff like that. Hit the game show again. This is Name Those Prices
1: (laughs) from the 90s episode. Here we go. (laughs) Welcome, everybody. Our two guests. Okay, (laughs) I'm sorry.
3: You should have asked what was the price of a Madonna cassette. We would have Mm.
4: both gotten
1: that. Uh, Let me hear it right now. What was the price of a Madonna cassette?
4: Eight bucks.
1: Wow. Did you listen to that, Julie? Were you, like, listened to, like, A Virgin?
4: Ah, uh, totally. I was a little Madonna wannabe. Yeah. All right,
1: so here's the question. We should have done Madonna trivia. Okay, mm. well, what's the best Madonna song ever?
4: Oh, that's a tough one. Don't say Express um, Yourself. Uh, La Isla Bonita. Oh, really? Killer,
1: killer song. You got the little yeah. flamenco going on.
4: Love but the
0: best Madonna ever?
1: Huh? I don't know. We're, that's how we're going to wrap up the show today. Do you have time to pull up some t- Madonna trivia for us,
0: Ron? <laughs> yeah, I got it. I got it right on my iPad. Oh, yeah, you don't right. have
1: your iPod with you? Okay, don't worry about it. We'll do Best, we'll do best Madonna song at the wrap here. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's get back to business. Uh, now that we have zero listeners, um, so what we're, were we talking about? Chris. Profit. Profit. <laughs> what is the profitability? What are the profit margins? Can you just share some numbers? Uh, for Julie, in your business, what's the margins? What's it all look like?
4: Okay. Well, I'll give you margins on, we'll talk margins just on the patterns themselves. So, and I'll give you actual numbers versus percentages here. So roughly at the very most, it costs me, um, it costs us here probably under 50 cents a piece to produce one pattern
2: okay. that
4: is now granted that's not my design time figured in there because that would be next to impossible but that's all cost of goods mm-hmm. everything in there and we sell that for 450 wholesale
1: so you said it was 50 cents and you sell for 450 wholesale yes what's the sell for retail
4: nine dollars
1: Oh, the old 100% markup, right? But Darn right. You, yeah, yeah. That seems common between the wholesale and the final retailer is 100% markup. So, yeah. Chris, so you know when you buy you know, something at Walmart, uh, like that T-shirt you're wearing, <laughs> say you spend $12 for that, right? Mm-hmm. Well, they, they bought probably for $6. Actually, Walmart probably bought it for $4, but they probably bought it for $6. Interesting. Now- traditionally julie i hear that the manufacturer does 100 percent. so you get the 100 markup and the 100 markup you're going from 50 cents to 450 that's a significant markup how do you pull that off
4: uh i just did from the very start so
1: <laughs> you want to call me bitch or something the way, like, the way you said <laughs> yeah, that to me you're yeah. like uh mike you idiot um okay
4: um, no it's um when i started it um when I came up with what the end retail price of the patterns should be, um, at that time, like average average quilt pattern prices out on the market were at about $7 a piece, 6 $7 a piece. And so I just cut that in half and said, that's what my wholesale price is going to be. Um, and and that's, what I, that's what I did.
1: Are you looking at 50 cents? Are you trying to find ways to get down to 45 cents, 40 cents, or... Is the number good? And you're looking maybe to get instead of selling for four fifty, sell for five dollars. Or are you just fine, and keep things status quo, and say nothing?
4: Actually, uh, when I start when I started the business in two thousand four, my actual cost per pattern was roughly at about forty six cents a piece. Today, my cost is like less than twenty five cents. My actual physical cost today is about less than twenty five cents a piece. Um, I know a little fib in there, but. And the re- what I've done to to bring that down yeah. was actually to publish in-house. So I mm. have a ginormous digital color printer that you would see in any copy store, right? but we have that in-house. And so my rates are, you know, th- yeah. But so there's a big are- capital
1: investment to buy that piece of equipment, right?
4: Uh, we lease it. I would never buy it, but we lease it. But yeah, yeah, that's a, I mean, that's a big expense, but that's taken into account too. And- and I'm not dependent. I'm not dependent on driving after my, after my stuff and having to buy in certain quantities. We can print just one of something here, or we can print a thousand of something here. So, you know what that's called,
1: Chris? Yeah. Print on demand, POD. Yes. And that's the new trend, seriously. Because manufacturing, if you, if, if Julie, if you were outsourcing, I assume you had to buy quantity, fifty yeah. units, a thousand units. But when you bring yep. this stuff in house. You can do it when you need to do it. And there's huge cash flow savings there because you just, yeah. p- the cost of one.
2: Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. S-
1: Sabrina, um, how, Julie, if I recall correctly, is in St. Lucas, Iowa. Um, and she's a favorite Mexican restaurant on the corner of the street. Um, <laughs> Sabrina, how do you find a great employee in St. Lucas, Iowa or Riverton, Wyoming or anywhere that's more rural than New York where we are?
3: Well, here is here is the challenge, and it's a challenge no matter where you are in the country. To hire a great employee, you gotta think about A players, those, those resourceful people who go the extra mile for you, they're really good problem solvers, um, who can think independently. That's about 10% of our population at the most. So when you're in a rural area, and especially a rural low population area, Um, finding those A players is challenging. But the other thing that you want to consider in your business is your culture and what your business does and who your ideal customers are. So you want to hire employees who are A players who fit (laughs) the culture of your business and who get why you do what you do for your ideal customers and are a good fit to work with your ideal customers?
2: Hey, Sabrina, it's Ron. A uh, question for you: H- How do you go about evaluating those individuals out there?
3: Well, that's there's a that's a complex process, but let me give you a couple of a simple things to think about. When you're looking at Resumes coming in. You have to assume that a lot of them are fluff, um, and so talking with people and asking them specific questions that get at their values, and going through their history with them. And this is something that I learned from Mike a couple years ago. Um, you want to do what's called pattern interviewing, where you ask them about, say, their <clears throat> their relationship. That they had, like, who was their favorite teacher in high school and why? Um, who, did, what kind of, what teacher did they have the most trouble with in high school and why? And then you you come on up through the years, it disarms people. It's it, they're much more likely to be honest with you, and they'll they'll tell you about Mr. Smith in high school who drove them crazy and and why Mr. Smith was such a bad person. Well, while you're listening to that, you you need to be thinking through. Well, did this person, did this applicant that I'm talking to, did he? ever accept any responsibility for the situation that he had with Mr. Smith in high school? And did he learn anything from that situation? Has he continued to have other um, people in authority over him through the years who drove him nuts like Mr. Smith did? If if he did, that's... uh, Probably a candidate that you want to weed out. Um, The other thing that I, I like to do with my clients is help them figure out what are the core values or immutable laws in their business. So, like Julie, she and I were just having this discussion the other day. She has a very strong value around giving in her business. And so she's getting ready to hire someone who's going to help with her graphic design. And we talked about. Um, some ways that she may want to screen that person to see what their values are around giving to make sure that they're a good fit with the culture of her business.
1: What about the, the big businesses that are in the area? Like, you know, there's the big players, they can offer all the benefits and stuff. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a, few, a very small employee base. And now these big businesses are in this rural area, they're trying to get your folks, how do you pull them away from the the big companies. Well,
3: certainly. yeah. In, in Wyoming, it's the oil field, because the oil field can pay top wages, and small business owners have a very hard time competing with that. So, One of the things that I tell my clients, because we're always focusing on profit, you want to hire A players as much as possible, and you want to pay those A players top wages in the 90th percentile of, of wages for that particular position, so that you can compete. Um, but that means you want to let go and, and weed out your C and D players um, because an A player can do the work of 9 to 12 C or D players.
1: But you got paying pay them more, right?
3: So you pay them more, but you don't need as many people when you have A players because A players are resourceful and they're hard workers. So when you can pay top wages to your A players – and accompany that with some intangible perks. So for example, what a lot of small business owners don't play up enough are their intangible perks in their business. Um, Somebody who's an A player can come into a small business and rise through the ranks of that small business very, very quickly. If you go into the corporate world, it can take you 10, 15 years to rise through the ranks. Um, So, that's one of the intangible perks. Another intangible perk uh, that a lot of small business owners have is flexibility, that they will work with their employees if their employees want to be able to take off Wednesday afternoons to go to a son or daughter's baseball game. um, Maybe if there's, as long as there's coverage, maybe they can accommodate that time to time. Maybe not every single time, but there's more flexibility uh, built into small businesses.
1: Julie, uh, looking back at your business, last question for you, besides the Madonna question that's coming, um, looking back (laughs) at your business, what's the best thing you did, the smartest move you did that drove profitability, that drove the numbers?
4: Um, I'm going to say two, I'm actually going to say two things. One thing was, um, diversifying my business and becoming the distributor for the add-on products. Um, because that served my best clients really well by they no longer had to make multiple phone calls and pay multiple shipping amounts to different companies to get all the goodies that accompanied my product um and then number two um you know we're still early yet in we're still pretty new yet in bringing the full-time gal on board but i've no doubt that bringing her on board and bringing the part-time girl in social media on board. So taking me out of the pivotal role is we're definitely going to be bright. I can focus more on what I'm good at and what I want to do versus, um, you know, working on the business.
1: Gotcha. Rapid fire series of questions. Now best book you've ever read, read (laughs) best book that you've ever read that I wrote.
4: Uh-huh. nice one dude. <laughs> you like
1: that okay um no here's the here's the rapid fire question best madonna song and everyone gets a shot at this julie you're up first
4: best madonna song yeah for you i still like la isla bonita, la isla bonita.
1: Yeah. okay so there's one uh sabrina best madonna song
3: like a prayer
0: mm-hmm Ooh. chris um oh god what's that one uh Is it this one? No. That is like a prayer, by the way. I like the beat for uh, Dress You Up Live.
1: The beat. The Beat for dress you up live, yeah. Oh, I gotta hear that one. I don't know it. Oh, you don't know that one? No, I, you know, mine might be like a virgin, I think is the best ever. Okay, uh, Ron, your choice wasn't allowed to listen to Madonna. <laughs> 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 Two word, Ron. No, now we know the cause of all the problems. <laughs> really, you weren't why? Well, he grew, he's got a brother, it's all men, you know. And they're like, dude, what are you doing, Madonna? Well, I li- I grew up listening to the Bee Gees because my sister and, and this stuff. Actually, and, I was a uh, Whitney Houston fan. Oh, she was awesome. She was awesome. All right, Julie and Sabrina, it's been a real pleasure having you. Uh, Julie, where can people find out more stuff about you?
4: Uh, they can find me at our website, which is www.patchabilities.com. Or they can really get a good glimpse into my little world at uh, on our blog, which is, I think, is it Patchability's uh, WordPress?
1: Yes, it is. I think I know it better than you do. <laughs> yes. All right. And Sabrina, uh, this is your theme music now.
4: Thank you. I love
3: that music on the outro. Where, um, where, the, where can people find out website. more
1: about you? I heard you got a special goodie, too. What is it?
3: Yeah, I have a uh, video training series, The Five Secrets to Exceptional Employee Performance. It's a free video training on the homepage at www.tapthepotential.com, T-A-P-T-H-E-P-O-T-E-N-T-I-A-L.com.
1: It'll be in the show notes. Guys, uh, Julie, when I say guys, that's New Jersey Talk for Julie and Sabrina. Uh, one thing we did, a brand new game that you didn't know was coming, we did what's called Word Swap. There was one word that I had to swap out in exchange for another word. Julie, I think you caught it early on. What was it?
4: Uh, it was, what was it, the silk blouse?
1: No, no. Did you catch it, Sabrina? I had to swap out a word.
0: He had to pronounce a word, quilt long.
4: and kilt. Yes, yes. yes. <laughs> you got it. The
0: whole show, I was required it not drove to say quilting. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Julie's like, this guy is the biggest
1: asshole yeah. ever. You know, he thinks I make kilts. <laughs> I know. Hey. Oh, yeah. God, it's going crazy here. Um, I just and figured
4: you were a bad speller. You're like, God, why is the guy keep, keep
1: referencing kilts? And why does Chris sniff and scratch kilts? It was weird. Sabrina and Julia, real pleasure having you. We hope to have you back again. Thanks for joining us. Thank Thanks you. Thanks, guys. Right, we'll see you all later. Thank you, guys.
0: See you. How badly do they hate us? <laughs> right? They loved it. <laughs> oh Ron's playing God. with the Pac-Man the and the Pac-Man ghost. sound effect. <laughs> Very nice. Another 80s reference. Yes. Yeah. What's your favorite uh, Pac-Man board? Or Miss Pac-Man board? Yeah um i don't even remember the boy you know when they did these changes when they'd run up and kiss each other yeah you know, when you
1: i like that that was my favorite scene right when mr pacman they were kind of like roaming around and then they bump into each other and kiss yep i'm like one day i'll have a girlfriend <laughs> <laughs> and it'll just be miss pacman
0: <laughs> all right lessons learned uh Less- you're a first brother lessons learned and but before sponsors. that sponsors yes right t-sheets t-sheets tell me about t-sheets, t-sheets does
1: time tracking software Right now, you just spent about 40 minutes listening to this episode. Did you track the time? You could have if you were using <laughs> T-Sheets. And more importantly, for client tracking, for tax purposes, for project tracking, part-time, full-time T-Sheets of the system. Second sponsor? Nextiva. 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 Nextiva does voice over IP phone systems. Ron knows that we use it all the time in our office, right? Absolutely.
2: It's wonderful. It's wonderful. You, you rock Nextiva, don't you? Yep, all the time. Your oh, I mean, support is second to none. That I, I rarely use it. Because we don't have problems, but when I do call them, they're wonderful.
1: Phenomenal. Uh, We needed international calling because we do a lot of international Mm -hmm. business. Ron's like, we need international calling. Pick up the phone. Can't do it literally Bam. Ten, within 10 seconds of calling them, they said, oh, we've activated it's taken care of, and by the way, we'll pay for it because we're sorry we didn't realize you needed it, and they covered it for a month for us for free. <laughs> oh, Is that right. freaking, you can't get that support? Wow. Awesome. Yeah, awesome, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, Fundera. Fundera. Fundera, it's one-stop financing. Uh, Ron actually just met up with the folks up in Ron- Rhode Island from Fundera. I, I did,
2: and you know what I learned? They what? have funding options available for all size businesses from individuals that need maybe only $5,000, all the way up to the major players where they're looking for a, a large
0: capital investment of $50,000 or more.
1: Yeah, one-stop shop for the funding needs you have. That's awesome. Dude, what'd you learn today, Chris? Oh,
0: this was a good session. I Well, one thing Julie just said, uh, she was hoping to you know bring bring these employees on to, to to free her up to do more business building things. I think that's a big part of uh, any business is making sure that the owner or the principal has time to Work on the business, not just in the business. Um, and the other thing was, I learned, you know, she's kind of ramping up the social media to drive sales and stuff. But, you know, that's not so easy to track. No. But, it it dawned on me, it's almost like a billboard. Like, if you, if you paid for a billboard, like, and I think I've mentioned this before, if someone drives down the road, they're not going to stop the car and dial the number off the billboard. Right. But, maybe... They're gonna open the yellow pages later or see a website later and it's gonna be the second touch. So yeah. the billboard was the first, now it's second and now away. they pick up the phone. Yeah. So the billboard plays a part, but you how how can you quantify what part it played? Yeah, it's but she, she's very strategic. She stays in her
1: vertical, stays in her vertical. She's in a magazine that you wouldn't think your your quilters or as I was saying, kilters, will be focused on. But she knows if she's constantly drives in that arena, she's increasing sales. Ron, I saw you taking notes, man. Anything you want to share, brother? Yeah,
2: I mean, I just learned a lot about the industry in general. I didn't realize that there was it was such a big field out there as well. And the fact that you know she's growing the business, always working on her margins, trying new and innovative ideas to get new customers and diversify her offerings. Wonderful.
1: Yeah, and I like that she uh, she's found the balance where you can sell to markets where there's a void of suppliers. And she can get suppliers. And I think that's an important lesson for all of us. If you're distributing through a network of retailers and there's no one in an area where there's demand, that's a negative consequence associated with that because people can't get your stuff. It sounds like she found the void to fill in there.
0: Wow, wow. so much good info. Thank you, Mike McCallowitz. Thank you, Chris Kern. <laughs> Thanks, Ron. welcome. All right, man, let's call it a date. <laughs> let's do it. So uh, just a reminder, I'm Chris Kern, founder of Fractal Recording. And if you're a business and you want to host your own podcast show... I can do the whole back end, the whole technical part of it, and make it easy for you. Chris will give it to you right in the back end. <laughs> He'll give it to the front end, however you want it. He packages it.
1: And uh, don't forget to visit Profit First Professionals. Profit First Professionals is an organization that Ron and I started up around this whole Profit First concept. It was funny. We found accountants and bookkeepers we're generally just doing accounting bookkeeping and coaches were doing coaching like Sabrina, but they weren't driving profit. So we said, let's build an organization around it. We now have 70, 80 plus members and growing quickly, but we're working with global. the best people. Yeah. Global. And we're global. Yep. So join
0: Profit First Professionals. Check it out. com. Brilliant. And check out all our past episodes. We've interviewed so many cool guests and Ron has been on the show a bunch of times too. So that's, phenomenal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, no right no, that's that been phenomenal. no yeah. I, I just yeah, sure yeah. to say Thanks, hey,
1: guys. Hey. Yeah. If you're uh if you're lo- loving this uh please send us some challenges to do, some stuff to include in the show. And if you've questions you want us to get answered, send us the questions. There you go.
0: Thanks for listening everybody. See you next time. Woo!